Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick, who is so keen to get straight back on the podcast, he's not shouted f- at me as he normally does. How are you doing, Dave? Mm. We've just got a lot to get through. We've not been here for a few weeks. We should probably apologise. It has been nah. circumstances completely out of nah, <laughs> completely out of our control. Yeah. Your, your laptop literally blew up at a game, didn't it? Well, it didn't literally blow up, but I got to Blackburn, sat down, opened it. I'd been on it in that morning. Um, just checked the live blog was was running, and then um, got to Blackburn, and it was fine. Got to Blackburn, opened it up, hard drive failure, literally nothing I could do about it. So wrote those player ratings on my phone while someone covered it from home, <laughs> did the report, etc. But um, yeah, that that was part of it, and just scheduling, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, scheduling is a bit difficult for us now. We used to Dave used to be. A lot more available during the day. You're now not available during the day um, through sort of work and study commitments, uh, which makes it more difficult to find time. So, yeah, uh, nice to be missed, though. Had quite a lot of people asking where the pod is. A couple of people asked if we'd uh, fallen out, Dave. Um, which, well, I, you, you you eventually agreed I was right and we moved on. <laughs> we did have an argument about the chronology of, uh, of the Alan Partridge franchise. The question was best and not actual. What is the best chronology? Not actual. So my list was correct. Let's not go over this again. Four games to talk about, but I think we're sort of going to pick our spots with them um, and sort of veer off in in various different directions because obviously a lot of those games have have been and gone now um and and been covered elsewhere so but the the games are Huddersfield 1 Middlemall nil Huddersfield nil uh, Sunderland 2 Blackburn 1 Huddersfield nil and QPR 1 Huddersfield 2 um obviously that Millwall result was uh, a big win everything's a big win for Huddersfield at the moment uh, and for them to beat a, a top 6 side uh, not for the first time in in this little run of four games was was big for them that meant that they met the points target that we'd set for them for that little run of five games from Hull onwards and meant that they were on course I think for the first time for the points target that they needed to meet to to get to 50 points after Danny Schofield was sacked if you go from the points Schofield was sacked onwards it's 1.21 points per game that they need and they beat Millwall and then you're going into Sunderland thinking right um very tough run of games here against a lot of teams in the top six. Uh, Swansea aren't anymore, but they were at the time. And unfortunately, they lose to Sunderland. And that game and the following game at Blackburn really spell out where the big issue is for Huddersfield Town at the moment. Scoring goals. They're, they're having real real trouble with it. Obviously, we'll, we'll get on to QPR, but still no goals from open play after that game either. Uh, they just don't look sharp, do they, Dave? No, no, they're trying to 
you can see they're trying to create in a slightly different way and these things take time but like we actually I remember right at the start of the season um, with Danny Schofield in charge we were sort of praising the fact that the strikers looked really sharp yeah, and they looked on form Ward and, and Rhodes both, both started got, the season well and you couldn't pick between them they, uh, they got early goals um, Rhodes had come back from summer and he looked really really fit he looked fitter than I've I've actually seen him and yeah, we did not think this was going to be the problem. Um, and yet, we're sort of here again. And I think it's very easy just to just to blame strikers. It's very us, as in me and you on this podcast, to say, well, no, there are problems with everyone else around. You know, you can't just say, well, we need an upgrade on a striker. But I think there's a bit of everything at the moment. I don't think the strikers are firing. I don't think the creative players that they do have that aren't injured are anything like their best. I don't think they're sort of... The avenues and the sightlines they're trying to take creatively are working at the moment. I think it's just all... It all feels a little bit of a... a, a, (laughs) I feel like we've been here before, Steve. (laughs) I feel like we've been here before because we must have had this conversation about Town's lack of creativity on this podcast over the years, I don't know, 15 times, (laughs) 20 times. Yeah, and, and you know, they are lacking players like Tino Andrian and Pat Jones. We'll come on to, to injuries in a bit. But I think even after Blackburn, I think a lot of fans obviously were very down. The mood was extremely down. You could tell that from the chants um, coming from the stands. Um, that And I think the Sunderland game had already sort of put in people's minds that was a big game where everyone went oh no we're gonna Mm. we're in real real trouble here and and convinced a lot of people that town are headed for for relegation the mood has has been buoyed considerably after beating QPR I think because of how unexpected that was and the nature of it and fans always love a team digging in etc but yeah I think even after Blackburn people were coming away saying you can see they're working so hard. They're much more organised. Um, you know, they're, they're all they're all sort of playing their hearts out, but they've just not got enough quality. And it was mm. it was difficult to disagree with that assessment. You know, at, at that point they'd scored one goal in in five games, and that was Yuta Nakayama's cross against Millwall that that sort of flew mm. into the top corner. And yeah, that's not a good rate of return. I think. They've had Ward and Road in and out the side to swap between them, and that's because I think it's neither of them are particularly in form at the moment, as you allude to. No, uh, I, I listen. I have no inside information on this, so please take, don't take this as read. Uh, it looks very much to me like Danny Ward is playing through something because he looks like the Danny Ward in his first season at the club, where he was at no point was he actually fully fit. He looks like he's holding back a little bit to me. I, I don't I don't think he's quite there and I think Danny Ward as a player, as we saw last season, I think there is like a there's a massive gap between like a fully fit, fully confident in his body Danny Ward and, and somebody who's trying to play through something. So it's speculation on my part, but I I think he's not quite a hundred percent. But I think there is just a, a lack of sharpness both in the final ball and in their finishing and and I think oh, absolutely. you know yeah. I think when you sort of when you go through the team they've got available at the moment um, and even before Uta and, and Ollie Turton's injuries both long term injuries obviously 
you would go through that team and you'd say, well, who's who's the creators in here? Um, and it's, you know, it's Sorba Thomas, Jack Rodoni, Dwayne Holmes. Um, and Sorba's doing a lot from set pieces, but but I think he's yet to claim an open play assist this season. I think I'm right in saying Jack Rodoni's got two assists now, but one of them I think was just a square pass. The other one was the knockdown from the set piece. Dwayne Holmes has admitted his return's not good enough, two assists and, and no goals. Um, ben Jackson, I think, works extremely hard. He's very athletic, uh, and we know that he's got great technique, but his balls into the box just aren't, aren't there yet. You, you, Kasumu, I think he's being tasked now. They're playing this four-three-three, stroke four-five-one, whatever you want to call it. He is being given a bit more attacking responsibility, but he's again first to admit that's not particularly his game. He's, you know, he's a ball carrier and he's a he's a ball tackler, but he's not really the man mm. to be coming up with goals and assists in the final third. Without Jones and Andrew feels very. You're going to get effort, you're going to get organisation, you're going to get shape, but not going to get a huge amount of quality at the moment, it feels like. There's, there's no X factor, really. That's that's the thing. There's no... Um, it's that conjuring something out of nothing. It, it's Pat Jones running from the halfway line against Norwich, isn't it? It's Tino whacking in two brilliant goals out of, out of nowhere, including that one where he just curled it from the edge of the box. That's... That's what they're missing, but I think it's also important to note that, like, weirdly, they are struggling for goals. There's no denying that, but I will go on record and say that this Mark Fotheringham side, with, I think at the last count it was 137 injuries, (laughs) I genuinely think beats a fully fit Danny Schofield side from the start of the season. Now that sounds awfully like I'm disparaging Schofield. I- I'm not. I'm not. It's just these players, even the ones that that you know they've lost so many through injury and they've been so unlucky. Somebody said to me the other day, said, "Oh, well, a new manager comes in, training changes, and it happens." That's not what's happened here. They've had two viruses, five impact injuries, and a couple that have sort of. There was Pat Jones was was on international duty. Yeah. Um, there was um, and a couple that have sort of been long-standing issues that have flared up because they flare up now and then anyway. But I just think that a they look a lot fitter. The the players yeah, that aren't injured, time. they look. You know, you, last ten minutes of games, they're still chasing balls down. They're still pushing. B they look like they've got a shape. Uh, and that is important. The The big problem that Danny Schofield had, he couldn't get town into a, a decent shape at no, the start of the all. season. And I just think at the moment, like it's impossible not to watch a performance like that QPR one and not think, well, here's a group of players who are actually buying into what the manager's telling them. Because you don't sort of fight and scrap and like that, really, unless you're... you're you know, you're like you're all pointing in the same direction because that's a game. I mean, how many times, Steve, have we seen Huddersfield Town lose that game? Mm. How many times that exact game where they go one nil down early on? I know this was really early on, but they go one nil down early on and it, game over. Yeah, Bob <laughs> Blackburn, know? it felt it, that way. It felt as soon as they yeah. were fine, it's like, well, they're not getting back into this, and so it proved. 
it, it feels like I know they have a load of injuries, which has sort of drastically changed the makeup of the squad. But even if you go back, if you go back over every one of his games and every one of his teams, and I was having a look, it really does feel like there's a message about your form. If you're in form, and if you if you you know in form on the training pitch, you will be given a chance. And I think that it takes a little while, but it I do feel like for some players that that they've they've kind of got the memo now. Yeah, <laughs> they've kind of got the memo. It feels like that Middlesbrough game was the turning point. I think we talked about Middlesbrough last time we were on here, um, and the four games since then uh, I think have largely been a continuation of that. Arguably, QPR is the way you're looking at it. Going all <laughs> um, that that was maybe the the worst of the four performances that we're talking about. Weirdly, and and that's one of the two that they've won. But, I mean, you mentioned the shape there. I think an important thing to mention with the attacking form, it feels a little bit, and we'll see this at the World Cup, I'm sure, particularly with the temperatures over there. Mm. Team, when a new manager comes in and doesn't have much time to work with the players, and, and Fothering didn't have the international, the last international break even, he didn't have a pre-season, the first thing you do is, right, well, let's just make ourselves very hard to beat, focus on the defence. Yeah. And you get that right first. And it feels weird to say when we're talking about a team that has, you know, they've not kept clean sheets in the last three. But I think after, you know, think about the kinds of mistakes they were making, the positioning, positional errors they were making. It was absolutely constant at the start of the season. It's so much better now. And, you know, the, mm. the goals that Sunderland scored, for instance, were, um, were counter-attacking goals. It was literally just after town have missed their two biggest chances Sunderland then go up the other end and create their own two biggest chances one of them was last minute when town were pushing everyone forward and trying to get an equaliser mm. um QPR and Blackburn I think it's fair to say Brody Spencer probably should do better on both of them but it's a young player making his first his second and third uh appearances mm. in championship in a, it, it, yeah and another factor on that because somebody sent to me the other day said oh you love Brody Spencer and he's struggling at the moment. Like you've got to understand he's playing in like a there's a big difference coming into a makeshift defence as well. Yeah. Like if you've got if you come into a back four or a back five and everybody else in there is established and they know what they're doing and they have a really good connection, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier, it's a lot more comfortable. So it's any position in that defence at the moment is quite a stress position. So yeah, Mikhail yeah, Hellick is a good I, player, but I think Tom Lee's, you would say, would be better able to help guide Brody through mm, games like that. I, yeah, and you know Tom Lee's himself. Let's talk about Tom Lee's himself because your what you said the other week is exactly how I see it too. Really, which is Tom Lee's is really really good in a good side. You know, when he's in a good side and he's comfortable, he suddenly looks like he did last season, which is just a little bit of a class above. So, yeah, you know, they. I feel like at the moment, with the attacking staff, I don't think the midfield is quite right. They've got all the injuries in defence, but I feel like at the moment you can see that there are some like proper building blocks trying to be laid. Yeah like some proper foundations trying to be laid and it's just very very difficult because as I said it's not like Carlos Corbran came in in his first season 
and blew the entire squad up with his trading. That's why they all had muscle injuries. And it was the. That's why. To it, be fair as well, it was also the uh, the season with the where the. T- Schedule was extremely compressed because it had been COVID. So it yeah, it, it was extreme. It was extremely compressed, which is why I would perhaps have said, you know, you maybe don't need to train like maniacs every single week <laughs> when you've got a game every three days. And maybe don't play but the same first eleven, six games in a row, whatever it was. That he six did. in a games, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because you got a load of criticism for picking a side to lose to Bournemouth, so it, like this isn't that. As we've said, this is this is just some completely raw luck Mm. you know it really has been and I just feel like if they can just get to the break get to the World Cup break within some sort of touching distance because we both feel if that gap gets to six points or more it feels too much doesn't it it feels too much if they can get to that break within touching distance get some players back possibly add a little bit in in January um, and we're not going to talk about that now, but we will talk about it at some point. Probably next week. Yeah, uh, they've got more than a fighting chance. From on on, you know, as an analyst, you can only look at the evidence you've got, and they've got more than a fighting chance because they're just not far away. But they've just it is personnel attacking wise. I think I think that's what it comes down to. I think that the you know Warden Roads need to find their feet very very quickly. But I I do think. <laughs> It's just very, very difficult when everybody knows Huddersfield Town's main threat is going to be Sorber Thomas. Yeah. So one of the reasons he hasn't got open play assists is because he's the player that gets doubled up on. And at the moment, mm-hmm. I mean, no disrespect to him, but if he played, I don't know, Dwayne Holmes on the other side, he, he's just not offering anything like the threat, is he? No. So, you know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult, but you can... I think you can take a lot of positives from that QPR game yeah. I mean we should talk about it really we should definitely yeah I'll just finish the I, we sort of got off the point there um, which is my fault more than yours um, on the World Cup you know you'll see a lot of teams that are focused on the defensive side and being hard to beat um, and there'll be a lot of teams that are, are quite poor going forward because that's how it is with international football you have so little time with the players that you concentrate on what's going to not lose you games rather than what's maybe going to win you them and I feel like Fotheringham the timing of his arrival and what he's walked into he's kind of been in a similar position where it's like look we're making so many stupid mistakes particularly remember his first two games in charge were Reading and Luton Um, and the goals they conceded in those games he's obviously gone right well let's put everything into into being hard to beat in the shape and and that's paying off you know the other thing on Tom Lees as well is you know he said to us he always feels that he plays best when he's training throughout the week the way that he would play on a Saturday Um, and maybe I'm reading too much into it but I think the implication there was and that wasn't happening before but it is now Um, Dwayne Holmes has said he feels like no one in this division trains as, as hard as them and you know he's obviously been at a few clubs and he's under a few different managers even at Huddersfield so you know but they but they have to see yeah, because they do, you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's not just that they only have to look back to last season to see an example of how you can compete with teams with far bigger wage bills in the same league through hard work and application which is what Huddersfield Town did and it's what at this moment in time Huddersfield Town have to do now I don't think they're going to go on some Forest-esque run from here and end in the playoffs it would be um, fairy tale stuff if they did shall we say 
but they've got to get back to that principle because that is how they get them out themselves out of this situation is is to work harder than the opposition and sometimes it's not particularly pretty and I'm not even sure if that's how Mark Fotheringham really wants to be known longer term I think he's probably got aspirations to do other things but right now and probably January and February as well they've just got to run harder run further they've just got to outwork opponents consistently and you can only do that if you're super fit yeah and I think that's where you earn the look that they got against QPR to come into that game because you know I think that was of the four as I say the four performances we're talking about it was probably the weakest performance they'd spent less than 50% passing accuracy they spent a lot of the game on the back foot they got a goal that is replicable. Um, the first one, Radoni heading it across for for Ruffles, lovely, lovely finish by the way. Um, but uh, the second one is a goal that he will never score again this season, and that Town will probably not score again yeah, this season. But but hang on, we're being modest here. Me and you on this podcast have long champion playing Josh Ruffles as centre forward. <laughs> um, yeah, quite remarkable, really. Um, and yeah, when when that goal goes in two minutes in you know I'd been talking to there were some neutrals who hadn't seen town play much this season who were asking me like what are their struggles etc and I said the thing about Sunderland you know that and that that was mm. typical that they'll create a big chance miss it and then the other team will go at the other end and score and then literally immediately from kickoff they played Danny Ward clean through on the keeper lovely ball from Ben Jackson uh he waits too long puts his shot straight at the keeper QPR go up the other end and score, <laughs> and mm. um, and we we just sort of I turned and looked at these two guys and was like, that's what a seal town <laughs> that's them. Yeah, but so, some of these chances they're missing though. I think while we're like, it's not a balanced thing because it's not like we're trying to say that everything is all right. We're not trying to say. Mark Fotheringham is the new messiah or anything either there are, there are still things need to solve and you can't forget that I think a lot of mistakes were made early on but if you look at some of these chances that were missed I think it's also worth saying that these are chances they haven't been creating before oh. so Dwayne Holmes is is an overlap run gets onto it and he's one on one with a keeper Jack Radone missed a one on one yeah missed a one on one with a keeper Against Blackburn, it was a very good ball into the six-yard box, and to be frank, R- Rudders should have scored because I always get his name wrong, and you always take the mick out mm-hmm. of me for right, it. So. Should have scored. These are the things that, like last season under Carlos, Carlos Corran, even when it was going well, me and you were saying a lot of their problem is why they can't sort of why we don't think they can get to that sort of very next level is because they don't create the sort of chances that other teams create you know that consistently finding space through the middle so again you know we're not trying to say everything is great far from it they've got a lot of work to do but if you can't see the changes that are happening you know if you can't spot these little changes of angles and things that are coming and think well do you know what if we can get a fully fit first 11 on that pitch of the quality we have in the squad you know playing this way and creating chances this way like that one and one of Dwayne Holmes is against Sunderland I think Tino Andrew would have scored that Steve mm. I really do yeah I mean it's reflected in the points as well you know whatever about the performances under Danny Schofield, they had four points from from eight games. 
you know, and mm. since Schofield's gone, and I, I, you know, admittedly there's one caretaker game in there, but they've had 14 from 11. Now, that's still not a great rate of return, obviously, and again, we're talking about a team that was in the playoff final last last year, um, albeit with, you know, obviously some ch- a lot of changes of personnel. But, you know, if, you, if, you, if they'd started the season, even in the form that they've been in from Schofield being sacked onwards, 1.27 points a game, gets them to 24 points and they're in that group with Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Cardiff, Hull at the moment mm-hmm. rather than Bottom. Um, and they are on track to, to, as I say, they are on track to get to 50 points. It's a weird league table this year and we say this every year, I have actually run the numbers on it, uh, which I'll do for a piece next week when, once we've sort of finished this round of fixtures. But when I looked at the n- normal number of points between sort of Bottom and 13th, um, over previous seasons after 20 games it was something it's normally something like uh, 10, 12, 13, 14 points and at the moment it's 8 and Town have a game in hand so it could well go down to 6 if they were to, to win that game in hand because then mm. so it is a ridiculously compressed league table this year and you know Coventry mm. <laughs> 10 days ago I think we're in the bottom 3 and now they're 12th it's just that that yeah. kind of year. So, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. They could quickly climb. The problem is, is that they haven't been, obviously. And, and those two defeats mm-hmm. um, did, as I say, change the mood for the worst. But that, that win against QPR, I think we can't really give them anything but credit, despite, you know, given all the circumstances. It's kind of a who cares about the performance kind of game. Absolutely yeah, for me. But, but even then... Like I mean, I I know, I know to everybody actually listening to this podcast and to yourself, Steve, it was a touch breathy throughout, to say the least. But for me, as neutral, just from an analyst point of view, I mean, I loved it because you can talk about oh they had thirty six shots and what have you, but Town defended so well and they kept their line so well, and yeah, they did get peppered, but. They restricted them to a hell of a lot of low XG chances on on the whole. Nichols has only the had ones two that, saves to make, really, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, the the ones that snuck through Nichols looked like Lee Nichols of last season, which you know we've we've sort of we've talked round it quite a bit on this podcast and said you know he's earned it and what have you, but he's not looked anything like this season, and now looks like he's mm-hmm. back where where he needs to be. And it's like, it's one of them games where a lot of people go, oh, you never deserved to, you, you didn't deserve to win that. It's like, defending's equally as valid as attacking, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's equally, it's e- as equal a skill is the thing. And I just really enjoyed it because I just thought, I thought they defended well. They had a really good defensive shape. They had, you know, a load of square pegs in round holes, but they found a way to make it work. But not only that, they were still positive enough to try and carry the ball on the break a bit, you know, which was really, mm-hmm. 
I thought was 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 a really positive sign that this isn't a team who just want to sit in two lines <laughs> and hope to hold on. They were still genuinely pushing at times. And they got a corner in something like the 89th minute and they tried to score from it. Yeah. They didn't just try and pass it into the corner and no. keep it there. Uh, I, 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 as I said, as a, as a neutral, I had enormous fun watching it. And I also, again, I know a lot of people listening, well, I know nearly everybody listening to this will not feel exactly the same. But hand on heart, I also thought Town... Not that they were comfortable, but again, it was a lot of shots from distance, a lot of shots from wide areas, a lot of very good clearances, a lot of well-timed headers, a lot of good tackles. You know, as I said, these are all equally valid, and I just thought, yeah, very encouraging, very encouraging on on a lot of levels. Yeah, I, I think so. I think one of the most impressive things of Fotheringham's reign so far, and I want to be careful not to overstate this because I'm not, I'm not yeah. pretending that you know Brody Spencer has come in and been eight out of ten every game. We've mentioned that he struggled a little bit, but you know you think about the the players that he's brought in and how well they've settled into the team, and and it's praise for the players as well as much as as for him. But how many times over the past few years have we seen Town bring in a youngster and it's like uh, he's still very raw, and then he adds sort of half a dozen games and then. He's out the side and you never hear from him again. You know, Jaden Brown, Aaron Rowe, D'Amico Dehaney, you know, the, the list kind of goes on. But this season, you know, Etienne Kamara has come in. I think there's a case that he should start ahead of Jonathan Hogg, even when Hoggy is back fit. I'm not sure Mark Fotheringham would necessarily agree, but I think there is a case for that. This is a player who's 19, never played in the championship before. Fotheringham gave him his first start. Brahima Diara has come in. I don't think he's been great um to be honest but you know he's he's come in and and shown a bit of promise and was part of that lineup against uh against qpr Brody spencer has come in and done all right he's, he's had his moments where he switched off a bit but i think he's also had positive moments um against blackburn i think he did more good than bad um against blackburn in very difficult circumstances but unfortunately got done on that one moment will boyle almost no championship experience come in and completely uh, confounded our expectations, was man of the match against mm. Blackburn, and I thought I would have had him ahead of Lee Nichols for man of the match. Fans disagreed, um, which yeah, I can I understand, but I thought Will Boy was excellent against QPR as well. Um, you know, the, Ben Jackson has come into the side. He's another player who I think, even with a fully fit squad, you would, might be able to make a case at the moment and say, do you know what, Ben Jackson should at least be in the rotation, even if he's not starting. Mm. Um, so you know, these are players that, that wouldn't have been starters. There were ten missing um on, on Tuesday evening. Not all of them <laughs> not all of them starters, but a lot of that's a lot of players missing and I think if you were to put together Town's first eleven, you would probably only have three or four of that side in here. Um, mm. you know, you'd have Lee Nichols, you'd have Helic, you'd have Sorba, and then you'd have whichever board or roads, which is sort of much of a muchness at the moment. That's it. And the rest of them, I don't think he would start. So the fact that that he has got that team training, and it's not just oh we've got a good first eleven, but you know the others can't come in and do a job. The fact that they have been able to come in and do a job, um, I think, is is very encouraging for for what's going on on the training ground. Mm, I'll see your hog Kamara case and raise you. I don't think it's an argument at the moment because I think. 
Like I think the one thing we can see about Fotheringham is that he wants to play with the press, and there are still a, an awful lot of things that Hoggy is really good at, but sort of playing in a in a tempo press in midfield is is not one of them. That's perhaps why somebody else isn't anywhere near the squad as well, because you know mm. he's not very good at. at uh, playing in a sort of high tempo press either I think there's still situations where Hogg is extremely valuable though and I think having that capacity to bring him in and uh, change it to a three at the back as well is is absolutely vital because he can come in and do a job there that's the thing he can do that either from the start or off the bench so yeah but anyway I've just teed you up there (laughs) have you moaned about John Russell yeah, there was this report the other day, and it's I've never seen a more transparently agent-led <laughs> line in my life, yeah. which was this suggestion that, oh, he's turned down a new contract, so he's been frozen out. And it's like, I am <laughs> I could show you the player ratings that John Russell's had, not just from us, but from the fans as well from the start of the season. And there's 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 more twos and threes in there than any player should have. It just... It it beggars belief that anyone would would could possibly fall for that. And to be fair, I've only had one person on Twitter who sort of brought it up to me. But it's like he's been playing rubbish. <laughs> he doesn't fit into this side, and it just isn't Town's mo. You know, they've got other mm. players who are out of contract at the end of this season, and and I don't think Russell is one of them, by the way. But they've got other players who are out of contract at the end of this season. Etienne Kamara, for instance who have absolutely no issue playing him. Harry Toffolo last season, Josh Caroma last season. It just it isn't the club's MO at all to freeze players out when their contracts well, they, are they, running down. They can't afford no, it. No, they can't. <laughs> they can't if, afford if it. Thought, you can't afford to have it's, it's, yeah, it's ludicrous. If they thought John Russell was going to help them get off the bottom of the table, they play him. It just started every game, yeah. yeah. It just started every game. The, the, the thing about Russell is, like... <sighs> tries not to put on smug face but I I was always cooler on him than most because I and I said this on the podcast so this isn't revisionism there's only you have to play a certain way with John Russell in the side now with Carlos Corbran you could play that way because Carlos Corbran was about possession control keeping in the same shape having a couple of different plans in and out and you could have John Russell sort of within that sort of same 25-yard square on the pitch just doing what he needed to do. But then when you come in and you need some tempo in that midfield, you need, you know, like it's clear that Fotheringham, I think if if he had every member of his squad fit, I think he immediately plays with quite a high press. And to be honest a higher line than probably me or you would be comfortable with with the personnel available but I think he would go for it and I just don't think John Russell can can do that job a bit like Hogg that's not to say there aren't game situations where it might call for him but I, I we've talked about the sort of possible reinvention as a like Marouane Fellaini style mm-hmm midfielder who plays a bit higher um, and causes a bit of chaos maybe that's one way but uh, yeah I was with you when I saw reports of that it the thing is it's hard when you worked 
when you've worked in the industry and when you know the industry a bit and you can spot these things coming a mile away it's hard isn't it when a few people go oh yeah i can't believe it can't believe it's being frozen out it's absolutely unbelievable what are the club doing and it's like exactly as you said i've rarely seen a more agent picking up the phone to a writer and saying can you write something like (laughs) in my life genuinely yeah yeah um but i think i think the thing with russell my sort of read on him and and i've been sort of exasperated about his form for sort of emphasis there i think a more generous interpretation would be i think john russell can play in a team that already has that defensive organization and you have players that can cover for him and then you can just say right well he's going to offer us almost nothing off the ball other than sort of yeah. it away but the rest of the team have got that covered and what he gives us on the ball in terms of having a bit of class and the ability to, to build the play and pick a pass and play a 30 yard ball and come up with occasional moments like mm. he did against Luton last year etc etc that then becomes valuable but I think if you've got a squad that is has been struggling with the defensive side the last thing you want is to have John Russell in there when you're trying to turn it around I think and I think that's where Mark Fotheringham yes. is with it at the moment well we don't we're not aware of any fitness issues and he wasn't even in the squad yeah. for QPR was it, he I was told it was a squad that was we're told it was a selection decision not a fitness you know, decision and that's a squad that's just stretched ridiculously thin well, anyway. You, so I think that probably... You had um, Jack Rodoni in defensive midfield and Danny Ward as a box-to-box central midfielder in that game. Yeah. So, so I, I, it's not that, again, it's not that he's a bad footballer. He's He's got his touch, his time and his eye for a pass are up there with anyone in the division. But... <laughs> The problem is that it's not, it's not the right time. The rest it, of his yeah. the rest of his attributes aren't at the same level. And town aren't a side that now wants somebody sat in front of the defence who can knock the ball out of his feet and hit a diagonal. You know, that's that's not what they're about at the moment. So yeah, I mean who knows, he may come back in, he may there, as I said, there may be certain game situations or certain games that they want his extra height or you know they may want to do exactly that sort of sit deep and try and break with those those 35 yard balls over the top but yeah at the moment <laughs> it's no wonder his agent's trying to drum up a bit of uh interest <laughs> but um yeah and and fotheringham has been quite keen to and again we this is me repeating what he said we don't know what's going on in in training etc but what he's told us is that those players that aren't in the team are getting sort of extra individual work on on their weaknesses, and you know, Kane Kesslade and Luke and Bette both got off the bench the other day, which I think sort of you know, Yutanakiyama we know that he left him out, and then he came back in and was starting to play well before he got that injury, um, which uh, we've not had a chance to talk about, but obviously heartbreaking for him, missed the rest of the season and, and missed the World Cup. Um, Mikhail Helic out of the World Cup squad as well for Poland this afternoon, unfortunately, but Sober Thomas is going, so um, we'll all be half Welsh for the month, I think, as long as he's playing, and if he's not, then we don't care. Um, I've been um, I've been busy today. Did I make the England squad in the end? Um, I saw there was a lot of Telegraph journalists saying that you had made it, but I didn't actually see the final announcement. I've been busy. but um, It's annoying, because I've got a bit on in December. <laughs> but I think the... 
the injury front, hopefully, you know, they've got this World Cup break coming up now, four weeks off. I think there's a few who they would hope to get back over that break. Um, so I think if Tom Lees isn't back for the weekend, I think they would hope to have him back from COVID. Um, and, and I'll get, I'll try and get clarity from Mark Fotheringham on, on all of these players. But the sense that I'm getting um, from how he's talked about them is, I think, looking at hopefully getting Lees and Kamara back, if not this weekend, then after the break. Um, Hogg, I think they'd hope, be hopeful of having back after the break. Tino Andrian, Tari Simpson as well. Longer term, obviously, Matty Pearson's going to be out until after the new year, and it might be several weeks into the new year. Um, and uh, Ollie Turton, I think, the way he was talking about him, it seems like that might be towards the end of the season. And obviously, Utah is going to be out for the rest of the season. I would be surprised if he... Achilles injuries, they can be up to a year, can't they? So Yeah. Um, horrible things. Horrible, horrible injuries. Yeah, so... As far as I'm aware, that's where we are. We might go to the press conference on Friday afternoon and be told something different. But And we'll talk more in more detail, Dave, I think next week about how town might look after the World Cup. But at least you sort of... I think the big thing from QPR as well, and I've sort of touched on it, is I think you can now go into games, both the Swansea game at the weekend and games after the break and feel like, okay, if they need to draft in a Will Boyle, or they need to draft in Ben Jackson or Etienne Kamara, whoever it is who sort of ends up getting dropped to the bench, you sort of feel like, yeah, they can come in and do a job, rather than feeling, as we maybe did before, like, well, who's going to play? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. who's going to play beyond that first eleven? I think this period has been extremely tough for them, but it sort of feels like if they can get those players back fit, actually having had to have played those players and for several of them to have actually done actively well, likes of Kamara and Jackson uh, and, and Boyle over these last two games, actually might stand them in better stead going forward than if they'd not played at all. Yeah, it, that's exactly it. It's just, I think they've, we've talked about them having some bad luck and I think they have had some bad luck and I think that uh, it, it's such a strange season. Mm. I can't make my mind up whether the World Cup break overall mm. is going to be a help or a hindrance for a lot of sides because there's as much of an argument that if you're in a bit of form and a bit of rhythm, you're suddenly about to take a month off. And it's, it, you know, it's hard con- from a conditioning sense. It's I spoke to somebody at the club at the last game and I was just genuinely interested about it's very difficult to keep these players in nick you know over that length of time without competitive football and there will be like a few friendlies going on and stuff but it's it's not it's not the same you know <laughs> uh but i think uniquely for town <laughs> it's they're probably the one side you look at and go if they could have planned this season <laughs> knowing how the first say 15 games were going to go Having a break for the World Cup of a few weeks is, is is exactly what they need. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Because we were... The only thing I've got in the back of my mind, Steve, is that Danny Cowley gets Huddersfield Town firing. Yeah. We really enjoy them. Was it the Charlton and Bristol games? Yeah. And we, you know, real a lot of fun. Yes, they went to Leeds and lost, but... Like people won't like me saying it, but that Leeds side was a really unique championship side. You know that, that they really were like a sort of island all of their own. 
they had that break for COVID and they came back and they looked a shadow of what they were, you know, like, and I just, I just hope, I hope Town are due a break and coming back and really hitting their straps from the off. And that's what I really, really want to happen. That's what I really hope happens because there are signs there. Me and you are not pretending everything's been great and Mark Fotheringham is the second coming, but there are signs there that, there is a way out of this, aren't there? You can you can see an exit sign. They've just got to go and actually run through it, haven't they? Yeah, and and I think we need to keep in mind there are going to be ups and downs on that. You know, it's it's never a straight line, mm. is it? It's not like <laughs> it's not like you lose your first ten games of the season and then you draw your next twenty and then you 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 win your next. 15 you know it's it doesn't work that way they're, they're going to lose some games in there they're going to lose some games that on paper they should have won as as I think a lot of people felt about Sunderland last week me included to be honest um, and then there's going to be other games where they win it and you feel like they shouldn't have done like Millwall and QPR as I say I think the, the points total although it doesn't feel like it because they're bottom is more than twice as good over the past um what's that 11 games as they were over the first mm. eight games um it's still not amazing but it's enough to get them out of it by the end of the season i think obviously the job number one is to maintain that but i think ideally you want to improve that because you don't want to be you know that getting to 50 points one i think the way that the league table is shaping up it could well be a season where someone goes down with 51 or 52 um it's yeah just one of those years it feels like it's it's definitely not going to be uh, it's definitely not going to be a record high at the other end because of the bunching up. Is, and I think you're right. I think it's it's a season where you need points on the board. My, it, it if people want sort of confirmation of like how roller coaster it can be, Blackburn are second, and I think they've lost eight. <laughs> they've played twenty and lost eight games this season, and they're a point clear in second. I think last time yeah. I checked, Sheffield United are in third and their fans were deriding them for an awful run of form where I think they've they I think they certainly lost four or five and they had a load of bad draws I think Norwich have lost five or six and they're tucked in the playoffs Watford have sacked a manager and I think they've lost five or six so far so it's that like I don't really buy into this like best league in the world most unpredictable league in the world all the time but this season I think is just an air of more chaos to it than ever before really i mean how can you be how can you be second when you've lost eight of 20 games that, that's absolutely bonkers uh but yeah we'll, we'll see where they go from here i think i'm i think i've said in the last podcast i was still on the fence with fotheringham i think these four games i actually feel a bit more and more convinced i think the fact that they have found something like some consistency in their defensive performances uh, is really encouraging. But my big worry at the moment, as we sort of open the podcast with, is I just worry whether they have enough goals in this side at the moment. And and I also worry, like a lot of the players that got injured, the big injuries, it's like Jonathan Hogg, Ollie Turton, and Matty Pearson, and Nakayama. You know, those aren't players that were going to create loads and score loads. And when you think of the players that are out, who might do something creatively? It's yeah, Tino Andrian, fine. That's a big loss. But Tyree Simpson, who's never played at this level before, and Pat Jones, who's nineteen. <laughs> um, so you can't put it all on them. They do. They do absolutely have to improve no. in the final third, hundred percent. 
they do, they do, but they might have to go to the well in January, Steve. Yeah. You know, that's if if <laughs> if your championship future's at stake, it does sharpen your pencil a little bit, and they may have to go to the well. And if that means, you know, some people who were staying for the season going back to their parent clubs, if that means adjusting things, if that means people moving out of the squad to make room. I think they may have to look at it, Steve, because you can't... Like, the one thing I think we would both agree with on Fotheringham is he's certainly not a man who's going to die asking. <laughs> if there's a decision to be made, I think he's quite comfortable making it. And he's not hes not anybody's friend. So, yeah, I think they, they, they may have to seriously look at that. But you're right. But I do think like having Tino Andrew and Pat Jones as options, it does make a very big difference because it's not just having them on the pitch. It's how it takes a little bit of the focus off of Sorber as well because you can't just double up on Sorber and then you've nullified what they've got. Yeah. Off the pitch, we've had big news and we won't spend ages on this because uh, it has been a couple of weeks now, but obviously... Dean Hoyle has announced that he's uh, he's stepped away from the day-to-day running of the club. Um, he's still going to keep funding it, but Dave Baldwin is now managing director. And although Hoyle's takeover from Phil Hodgkinson hasn't been formally um, completed yet, they have announced the intention that that Dean is going to sell to to new ownership. Um, not not telling you anything you don't already know there. Um, I do recommend you check out our interview with, with Dave Baldwin um, if you've not already that we did a couple of weeks ago, which answers a lot of the questions that you'd have around what it looks like. But the message is that they they want to get the right owner rather than a, a quick sale. Um, they, it might it could take months to do it might be that there's periods where they go quiet and you don't hear from them for a while and that's actually probably more of a sign of a good thing than a bad thing um but um you know they've they've talked about they they have ways of refreshing the squad in mind world cup break was one of them um and january obviously is going to be big on the other end of that mark fotheringham has said they don't have a massive treasure chest you do wonder if there might need to be a bit of a bit of horse trade in there um but we'll, mm. we'll sort of again we've got a big international break to come up i think we'll look at the transfer window um next week but yeah i obviously it wouldn't have wouldn't have been right to get through this podcast without mentioning it dave and suffice to say and and we're not talking out of turn here baldwin said it himself on the record absolutely massive for them to stay in this division because i think Huddersfield Town are in a lot of ways quite an attractive prospect as a championship club um, mm. maybe I agree maybe but but nothing like as a as a league one club so it's not just about what division they're going to play in this season uh, next season it's sort of the, the future of the club is at stake this this year yeah I think Dave Baldwin spoke an awful lot of sense in his interview I think uh, like I I actually think it's worth saying from my point of view Dean's statement when he left um actually made me quite sad you know I thought the 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 tone of it and the nature of it and the honesty in it I it actually made me feel quite sad um I think like you I think they are an attractive proposition and I think a lot of people I've seen a lot of people saying a lot of really stupid things online <laughs> really right yeah, yeah. and I think, A, 
football clubs are very, very investable at the moment. They're so hot right now, Steve. Um, B, town aren't carrying like the sort of dangerous debts, really. Yeah, the, the, you know? By championship standards, um, they are on the lower end. They'd be sort of low mid-table yeah. in terms of the debt that they have. They'd be very low yeah. on wage spend, which means that they are investable. You can put money into that area and get yeah. The stadium is the big exactly. thing, but they've said that they're looking at, at what they can do on that, whether that's something along the lines of what Phil had proposed with the effective control, yeah. or whether it's buying a stadium. But it's... But even since then, I think that, again, pure speculation, so please don't take this as read, but I think situations move and evolve and change an awful lot. And I think that conversation around the stadium with somebody sensible who is wanting to invest and push it forward would be quite welcome at the moment, Um, whereas perhaps at other times it hasn't been the deal has to be right for everyone involved so there's no point pretending it wouldn't be but it is one of the projects you know, think, it is one of the projects Dave Baldwin's been working on since he's yeah and, and, it, and things it has to come to a head at some point Steve it has to come to a head that's that's the thing and you know having a there there are some issues to solve but trust me if you were asking me you know would I want to go and buy Reading, Huddersfield Town, or would I want to go and take on Reading mm. with their like two hundred and eleven percent wage bill and transfer bill, uh, uh, transfer bans and various other? Well, I'm not going to wildly speculate, but I can I can tell you there are some issues around that club. For instance, you know you go to Huddersfield Town all the time, but I do I think what it's worth saying, Steve, is that a lot of fans have said an awful lot of things about Dean Hoyle over the last couple of years. I think when this era of fan ownership has gone, so when Huddersfield Town, which is quite likely, are no longer owned by somebody who is a fan of the club, you have to understand that that is, A, it changes the football club, and B, it will change the nature of certain things around the football club too. And some for the better, it's, some for the worse, won't it? Some for the better, some for the worse. And, you know, it, it's, I'm not... I'm not uh I'm not revealing anything by saying I'm a Brighton fan. When Tony Bloom leaves Brighton, we will inevitably get sold to an investment group or an investor of some sort. And it's and it's a real, you know, it's a moment of sadness, Steve. Even if you've got someone coming in with all the money in the world, it's it does make your club feel different. You know, there is something about having the local businessman the local fan, etc., in charge, that is just a nice feeling. You know, these people are custodians of the club and it's a nice it's a nice security blanket to know that the ownership is invested on an emotional level as well as a financial one. So I think history should be a hell of a lot kinder to the Dean Hoyle era than the the current is on social media. And I've seen some very silly things said online, but I think those people need to have a look at themselves because he's stepping back for health reasons and that is what he's stated you know he's having to step back for health reasons and you can say what you will about certain decisions you didn't agree with you can say what you will about individual stuff you didn't like but the body of work is that he has been a huge positive for Huddersfield Town so I think those people need to think about those comments seriously 
it's an owner that took them from League One to the Premier League and you can have your criticisms of, of what happened since then. A lot of it not under his watch, in fairness. Um, some of it obviously has been, but yeah, I, I think uh, on balance he's been much more of a force for good than uh, than for bad as Dean Hoyle, hasn't he? Yeah. Musical recommendation, have you had a think? Uh, yeah, I, I've been... I'm a little bit four four two at the moment in my music taste. If I'm brutally honest, Steve, I've been going backwards because your new music holds nothing for me. It holds nothing for me, sir. Remember, I'm forty three, so I've got to that point now where I don't understand anything, and the kids—it's the kids that are wrong. Uh, but I've been listening to Black Sunday by Cypress Hill again, and it's just an outstanding record. Fantastic! I'm scrabbling to get onto my last FM to find a recommendation for you. Uh, oh, it'll be it'll be some it'll be some female electronica artist who couldn't fill a tap room, never mind an arena. Let me guess. I'm I don't listen to electronica. Um, I will give you uh, "Hotels" by Jasmine Sullivan, which is uh, an R and B album exploring the benefits and downsides of uh, female promiscuity. <laughs> That's I don't has there has there been a more Stephen Chicken sentence? Um No, probably not. Cool. Right, we'll see you next time everyone. Dave, thanks for joining us. Unless you've anything to add. Bye. Bye.